You're listening to the Brick by Brick Podcast. Welcome back to the Brick by Brick Podcast. I am John Erico here, as always, with Ryan Goldfarb. We are very excited to bring you another episode of the podcast. And thank you to so many for listening and providing us your feedback and thoughts. We really appreciate it. Today, um, it's the end of 2021, nearing the end of 2021. We're in December right now. We thought it'd be fun to do a retrospective on the different properties, projects, et cetera, things that we've done. Ryan has prepared some financial information that I think will be helpful and some other details. But uh, we've had quite a year, I would say. It's been a very eventful year. Uh, it sure is, especially when we compile all this stuff and look back. It's crazy to, you know, when, when we're in the midst of a project, it's easy to lose sight of like when the bookends are. like when the year began versus like when we just bought something and we're in the planning stage and trying to consummate some of these projects. But I think having the the year to use as a bookend for certain milestones is is definitely helpful. And I look forward to doing this again 12, year, uh, 12 months from now yeah. and 12 years from now and seeing how different things look then too. Yeah. So I think um, I'm trying to put myself back into where we were at the end of 2020. So we, I think one of the, the biggest things that we got off the ground and have sort of completed doing, that's going to kind of, you know, provide context for some of the specific projects that we're talking about. But we, um, at the end of 2020, we started putting together um, this fund that we have now launched. Um, and just for anyone listening, this is not a solicitation for your investment. I'm just describing the, it's already closed. the occurrence. <laughs> yeah, It's already closed. Um, uh, and that's the Liberty Hudson Opportunity Zone Fund One entity. Um, I think at the end of last year, we had maybe just, like around this time, 12 months ago, we maybe just put together those documents. And now 12 months later, we finished fundraising for that and we started deploying capital. I think we've deployed basically almost all the capital we're going to be deploying from that entity. Maybe we have a few, a few more projects in the works. Um, but that, you know, we've talked before on this podcast about um, private equity funds, all of that. Uh, that was a huge undertaking. I mean, we've been talking about doing something like that for several years, really. I think yeah. back in 2019, at least, maybe even 2018, we talked about that. Yeah, um, I, I think it really, took, it really took getting to the second incarnation of that idea for it to become reality. Yeah, yeah I didn't even know what an opportunity zone was, I think, more than... Twelve months ago, I did, but maybe not eighteen months ago. Well, we first um, we first well, talked it was, about it. Yeah, yeah, we first talked about it when it launched, and I think at the time, doing something like that seemed too daunting to be yeah attainable to us. There, I, I think yeah, there were a lot also, of uncertainties. Yeah. yeah, and I think our initial interpretation of what the program entailed made us or led us to believe that we were going to have to do these like massive renovations on like a ten plus million dollar buy on yeah. a single asset, and that just seemed a little bit out of our depths. Yeah, time. I think that that is what the law was organized for. We have, we have a whole other episode on this specifically. But what Ryan and I are talking about is that we have a, a fund, uh, which is essentially a pool of money that uh, we're investors in and other people are as well. And we invest out of that pool in an opportunity zone, federal opportunity zone, which is a, a specific um, a federal, federally designated space, if you will. It's different than urban enterprise zones or whatever else. It's a, it's a specific thing to this program. We invest exclusively in one particular zone in Atlantic City. So the fund that we um, we now run um, operates only in Atlantic City. So we're only doing investments in Atlantic City, and primarily it's um, existing single-family, two-family, 
smaller uh, properties that we are using almost exclusively for short-term rental purposes. So again, we have episodes on short-term rentals. We talk about we're doing Atlantic City a lot uh, in the past. So this is that. Um, 12, 12 months ago, it was in the embryonic form. And I would say today it, it exists, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, so I started compiling some quick facts from 2021. Um, if we want to start with acquisitions, I have those broken down by vacant lots we acquired, rental buildings that we acquired, and what is going to be our pipeline leading into 2022, which are the properties that we're under contract on. Let me just to provide some context as a, as a means for comparison. Let me try to recall where we were at the end of 2020 in terms of the properties that we had. I guess we can focus on Atlantic City, perhaps. Yeah, um, I mean, I think, well, I, I think holistically, obviously, our focus now has been short term rentals. I think it might be helpful to paint the picture of where we were with short term rentals going into 2021, right. which I think was we maybe had eight listings. I think we had. We had six in North Jersey, we had one in Connecticut, and we had one in Atlantic City. We, s- we had one, we were about to have two. Right. right. Uh, we were about to have, yeah, we were well, yeah. two We were two more we were bringing out. Right, so we had after. one that had been in operation since the beginning of 20, well, July, July of 2020. Right. And we had purchased, um, by the point, this point last year, we had three more properties that we had bought. Um, if I'm remembering that correctly, for earmarked for short-term rentals. Yeah, I think we had Beach, Murray, and New Hampshire. Yeah, New Hampshire, right. Everything. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. I think about. we were maybe under contract on one or two others. Could be. Yeah. I think we really started the buying spree in earnest in 2021. Right, right. So, which leads us to, I guess, we were We were under contract for Westminster, I believe. Yeah, we, yeah. Clo- uh, we closed 163 in 2020. We closed 161 in 22. Okay. 2021 because of the fire. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we had a few more in the pipeline, but so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I guess let's pivot into what we did in 2021. So I'll start with vacant lots. Um, going into 2021, we owned zero vacant lots. And in 2021, we bought 21 lots. Um, and I would say that those averaged, uh, I'd say those averaged in size to be about like a 30 by 100 lot. Mm-hmm. Most of these, I would say, are buildable in... Um, buildable on their own a few of them are we purchased because we were targeting a few lots adjacent to one another to do something a little bit bigger or to make it a little bit more worthwhile yeah i think for people that are not don't live in the northeast when they, they think a lot they think like a half acre yeah. or something like that so these are small lots <laughs> brian is talking in feet so think, 30 feet yeah and, and i also paint that this is like an urban context so even even you know four thousand square foot that even a four thousand square foot house that we have sits on i think a 44 by 100 lot right which is 4400 square feet and that would be a lot of frontage for a lot yeah yeah that's a good size lot for a single family in atlantic city um so So the context for why we're buying these vacant lots is that we have um you know as we talked before on the podcast we're, we're, we're big believers in atlantic city um both in the context of, of the kind of immediate um, cash flow opportunities, but also in the medium longer term, you know, Atlantic City improvement kind of thesis. So the stuff that we're buying um, uh, is in a couple of different areas of Atlantic City, but primarily it's in an area that we're very bullish and optimistic about. And we're trying to 
kind of um, be conscious of the fact that that area might change and try to position ourselves in a way where we could uh, do ground up development. And so for for Atlantic City, doing ground up residential development is is huge because there really have been almost no ground up residential developments um, in many many years. I mean, I think there have been I can think of maybe three. Um, single family or maybe small multifamily houses that I can immediately think of. Obviously, there have been bigger um, condo type apartments, um, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one 50, big one. One big one, yeah. Maybe over 10 years ago, I would right. say. No, that was, I think that was more recent. I think that was within the last five years it came on. Was it? Okay. I think it came on market in the okay. last five years. Yeah. But I would say the other big thing development wise has been Stockton's presence. They've done a lot of new construction right. there. Right. Um, but that's obviously not. Single family homes, right? And obviously, there's Atlantic Cares has a huge right? um, project going on, but but yeah, not residential. Right. Yeah, so we we um, if if and when we do that, we'll be among the you know first doing ground up residential. Actually, some of our friends that we know are doing ground up residential as well, but it's all kind of in the same wave of development. So we're very very excited about that. And I would say with each renovation project we do, we get closer and closer to wanting to do new construction. Yes, <laughs> Ryan was very excited when a few months ago I said that I was tired of doing renovations and i still am tired of doing renovations but unfortunately <laughs> when i said that we were about to embark right. on the most Another renovations <laughs> we've ever done so <laughs> all right so yeah so that's 21 lots it's like for... saying I'm, I'm tired of having children right. as my wife is pregnant with another <laughs> child <laughs> um, which is my wife is pregnant true. but i'm not tired of having children so <laughs> which is half true half true um all right so we have for 2021 we have 21 vacant lots acquired um, and I, I want to say we have another half dozen or so under contract, um, that will probably close in 2022. Um, in addition, we purchased another 12 buildings. Um, I have these classified as rental buildings. Um, most of them will ultimately be short-term rentals, but for the time being, we did inherit some tenants. Oh, I should um, add, Ryan, there is one more building that we didn't account for, uh, which is a uh, not a short-term rental building in Atlantic City, Belfield Avenue. I think we bought that in 2020. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. We did buy that in 2020. Yeah. I think we bought it like late 2020. Ah, you're right. Is that? Yeah. In late 2020? Like fall? Late summer. Oh, okay. Maybe Late summer. August. August. I was like August. Yeah, it was yeah. like August. Okay. Yeah. I think we just, we were under contract for that for so long. Yeah. In my mind, I was like, we must have bought it before. I think we put it under, we first looked at it, it might have even been in 2019. It was and in then it resurfaced. And then it was under yeah. contract for like mm-hmm. four or five months and then we finally closed. Um, all right. So 12, we, we purchased 12 in um, 2021. I have just some quick numbers i think the total purchase price or total as is value on those is about 2.2 million dollars which works out to about $185,000 a building um and i think based on our preliminary numbers preliminary underwriting we anticipate that post renovation those will be worth in excess of about 4 million um obviously that's not all going to be equity or not created equity because we're going to be renovating them quite substantially um but we do anticipate that that will force some appreciation on those and i think based on where some of our appraisals have been coming in recently and based on what um the market has been doing recently i I think that was the the four million dollar after repair valuation is probably on the conservative end um and then out of those 12 rental buildings um well 
let's get into under contract first and then we'll transition to to our our str listings and our um the composition of that portfolio so we have another six buildings under contract a total of about 1.3 million anticipated after repair value of about 2.2 for those um again similar concept some of them are more turnkey than others um of that 900,000 in in delta we're probably going to be putting in somewhere in the range of $500,000 worth of work um so i guess with our current portfolio what is under contract our pipeline or by you know mid 2022 i think we'll be at about 34 properties across the board with about 50 str units this is you know plus or minus a few for some properties that we have targets on that we don't necessarily have signed contracts on yet um and i think we're right around or we'll be right around the 10 million dollar valuation or right around the 10 million dollar mark for portfolio wide valuation as is and i assume we'll be quite a bit above that um after we finish all of our renovations yeah so so i think in the span of about a year i mean obviously some of these things were in the works before this year but in the span of about a year that's that's a tremendous amount of buying and effort and whatever else and put in that context it seems exhausting so i'm just i'm tired just remembering that happened the other way to think about that is uh there are many people who go and do their first deal and buy a 30 million dollar multifamily for <laughs> yeah with 200 units and do what we've spent the last three years doing in one deal <laughs> yes well that's another way of thinking about you <laughs> so um but i i choose to sit here and you know pat ourselves on the back <laughs> <laughs> um and not all of these you know I, I would say that a lot of these purchases were through the fund but several of them were not through the fund they might be uh, jvs with other people or ryan and i might have just been able to take them down ourselves so, um, uh, you know, what, one of the, the big things I should say with, you know, with Ryan reading out these numbers, it, it kind of maybe lost in some of those numbers was that the purchase price for these properties was very low. But the reason why, why that is, is that most of these properties were not in habitable condition when we bought them. Um, and not in habitable condition means like require complete gut renovations. Even some of them that were occupied, I would say were not occupied in standards that most people would consider to be um, sufficient for <laughs> for human living, so I'm trying to think if any of them are are really. I guess maybe one of them we're doing almost no work. Uh, maybe one of them we Windsor? did almost no work. Windsor and then Texas. I'm thinking we painted. Yeah, I would say the I would say the 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 most turnkey properties that we've bought, we've probably put in twenty five thousand dollars worth of yeah. work. Yeah. So um, for most people, I'd say you buy a property, put in 25000 That's right. not exactly turnkey. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, it's funny, Ryan and I were, were discussing just earlier about some of the minor renovations that we're doing. And one minor renovation that we have coming up is completely got the kitchen and replace it, completely <laughs> got three bathrooms and replace them and create uh, three new bedrooms out of one existing room and also put in a new HVAC system. So that's a minor renovation. <laughs> Relatively. It's turnkey. <laughs> yeah. Someone was living in there. I mean, not that's when we true. bought it, but someone had lived in there before. So That is true. I guess that's true of every house. Someone had lived in there before. <laughs> um, uh, I, I guess uh, I, I wish I had more, some better prepared um, averages on some of these projects. But I would say just from looking at these, I would say like our average, average purchase price or like the range of purchase price on these properties has been between 
about a hundred or seventy five thousand dollars and about two fifty and the average renovation is probably in the like one seventy five hundred seventy five thousand dollar range mm. um but that that fluctuates from on the low end as you just described thirty thousand dollars for something that's quote unquote turnkey um to i think our our biggest constr- our largest construction budget is like four fifty or four hundred fifty thousand dollars or so that we um, spent that we're going to oh, okay spend. I, yeah. like, I, I think Pacific spending. is going to be close <laughs> yeah 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 I was, gonna, be close I, to half a million dollars. I was trying to think of what we spent four hundred fifty thousand dollars <laughs> renovating already you don't remember that one thing that we spent? <laughs> <laughs> again we're, we're you know one of the reasons that we talked about this in another episode too but you know one of the reasons that we are moving away from doing renovations is because when we talk about doing a renovation for four hundred fifty thousand dollars um, it's almost the case that you could rebuild the building um, for that cost. In fact, you probably could. The one, reason, the one reason we don't do that in some cases is because we wouldn't be able to take advantage of some of the, I guess you could say, grandfathered attributes of the building, like the fact that it has more uh, units than zoning might allow, or it doesn't have parking, or doesn't have something like that. But notwithstanding I think lot, that, lot coverage is also lot coverage. Yeah, notwithstanding some of those things, you know, we would right. we would do it. So, um, yes, yeah, so it, it's it's. Um, we're sort of gearing ourselves up. And I mean, I've already felt this in the past like two months. We're transitioning from acquisitions to construction, and it's a lot. Right. It's a lot. So um, looking at the, the short-term rental activity from 2021, we put eight new listings online. Um, and those are, say, a combination of single-family homes and apartments within small, small multifamily homes. Um, our current pipeline... And I would say these are like the active construction projects that we have going on right now that John just alluded to. I think that will amount to another 14 listings, um, the majority of which we really hope to get online by the end of next summer, because as we've talked about in other episodes, the nature of revenue in a short-term rental market like Atlantic City is that most of your, or the disproportionate amount of revenue comes in in the summer months. So there's a big difference between getting something online on Memorial Day versus Labor Day, right. even though it's only you know, three months apart. Um, and then we have another 12 listings under contract in some capacity. Again, these are some single-family homes and uh, a few multifamily buildings where we intend to convert um, some apartments or renovate some apartments and then list them as furnished rentals and vacation rentals. So I'm curious. I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit, but to to figure out some of the revenue numbers because they, they've blown me away. I think they've blown our, es- our estimates away from what we thought. You know, Obviously, before we went into these purchases and before we launched the fund, we did a lot of underwriting and, and thinking about how much these properties would generate, um, how they perform relative to other properties that we've had, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think in almost every case, our properties have exceeded those expectations, which is great. Yeah. I mean, one nice thing about actually doing underwriting when you go into a project is you can compare the actuals with the expectation. And I remember we talked about this recently, but for some of our early ones, for these single family homes that we were renovating um, and planning on putting online as short-term rentals, we were expecting 45 or 50 grand a year in yeah. short-term rental income. We, we thought we those gonna, were home yeah, runs. Yeah, so going, I mean, going in, we, we were excited about doing these projects, even with the expectation that we'd be bringing in 45 or $50,000 a year net and on that one pro- property that comes to mind specifically, we've we're pushing the seventy thousand dollars. That's our for the our, last our first short term rental together, right? Yeah, that was the one that we launched in um, July of twenty twenty. Right, right. So yeah, we were about 
uh, about a year and four months worth of activity on that so far. Right. Um, so across the entire portfolio, this is just, we're, we're recording this on December 7th of 2021. So from December 8th of 2020 through today, which is a full 365 days, um, our gross accommodation fees across the board, across I think it's 17 listings included here, is $778,000. I would net out uh, two of those listings or properties that we manage third party but don't own. Um, And if I take those two out of it, we're left with $674,000 over the past 12 months, which is, I'd say, pretty pretty darn good um, considering what our expectations were. Um, And I mean, you know, when I look, when I look and break this down listing by listing, I would say there's not a single one, there's not a single listing that doesn't amaze me um, by its performance. Right. Um, and I think the craziest part is I think that these are going to look even stronger over the next 12 months because a lot of these, we struggled to get online for what would have been the peak earning months. Right. And next year, I think that that's going to be a true home run. So um, the nice thing about getting the, some of those listings on a little late is that by the time next summer rolls around, we'll have a well-established listing, which will make it even more attractive right. than Good it reviews. otherwise would have been yeah, if track it record. came online in you know, July 4th. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think um, I'm still amazed. What was that single month, Ryan, where we had um, our property, what did it make? $30,000 in a single month. Yeah. Which is a little bit maybe misleading because there might have been some bookings kind of at the end of the prior month and extending into the next month, but it's still, uh, even even with that, it's still astronomically insane. And so. if we, I just, uh, so to be clear, that include our entire portfolio, which consists of a few listings up in North Jersey as well. So if I break this down to just Atlantic City, which right now is comprised of 10 listings, one of which is a sort of duplicate listing, but... Um, Across all of those, the past 12 months was $436,000. And I think our pipeline for next year, I I guess a lot of this depends, like our expectation I think is going to be largely driven by when these listings come online. But I think if we were to say like the the stabilized expectation for the pipeline we have and that we're working on, I think we're looking at estimated... Uh, we're looking at another th- million dollars a year. Sorry, about one point eight million dollars in annual STR income off of the current pipeline, uh, which consists of a lot of those fund projects we talked about, um, a few things that we're under contract on, a few multifamilies that we have slated to convert to short-term rentals. Um, so yeah, I mean it's kind of crazy to see those numbers, but I think our for what this is worth the the total portfolio that I just um that I benchmarked that seven what was it seven eighty five two or something like that I think for extrapolating out a full twelve months of rental activity, I think that portfolio should be at a run rate of about a million dollars a year, yeah, so to be clear, the numbers that we're using impressive though they are a lot of those properties didn't come online right. until the second half of twenty twenty one right because we bought them you know as we said at the end of last year we only had essentially one property under contract. So we put them under contract, closed on them, renovated them, and then put them online all in the span of, you know, 
the first six to seven, six to eight months of the year, essentially. Right. So if we take that current portfolio uh, and extrapolated or anticipated a full 12 months worth of activity, we'd be just shy of 1.1 million in annual rental income. And then if you take what we have under renovation and under contract, we are looking at close to another $1.9 million. So we're essentially talking about tripling the number of active rentals or the, the amount of active rental income off of this portfolio once we get everything we have on our plates right now fully delivered and fully stabilized. Which won't happen in 2022. No. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you know, maybe by 2023-ish or so, I think that that's realistic, right. yeah. And then the... And then the the gravy on top of all of that is the the 21 vacant lots that we talked about, plus others that are under contract, eventually at some point doing new construction and putting more listings online from, exactly. from those lots. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, it, it's important, I think, when you look at these numbers to say, you know, these sound like humongous numbers, but we're talking about, and they are humongous numbers, of course, and we're super excited about it. But we're talking about revenue. We're not talking about you know income or profit, and we're also talking about revenue that's split among our fund and also ourselves and also our partners and everybody else. So you know, to us in our pockets, we're not taking home anywhere near this amount of money because these properties cost a lot to operate. Several of them have mortgages that we have to pay uh, as part of their monthly cost, or we will encumber with mortgages at some point in the future. Um, and also, we're splitting the pie with many, many, many investors, depending on our relationship with them, depending on the properties. So, um, it, to be you know, clear, we do not make a million dollars a year. No, <laughs> um, but the you know it, it, it's um, it's a little bit tougher to I don't, know, I don't know if you have these numbers right. It's 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 kind of harder to extrapolate, but it's a little bit tougher to say well, what is our actual profit you know per year because our expenses for some of these properties are a little bit variable, and also when you're talking about renovation versus a repair versus a maintenance or whatever, it's hard to tease out exactly in some cases because sometimes, you know, it kind of bleeds into each other for for accounting purposes at least. Yeah. Our I mean the, I guess our main our primary com- compensation for these projects comes in two ways or in two forms. One is the property management fee that we collect off of these, which again is not even a net it's not that's that's not itself net income to us because there are there are expenses that we have at the property management level. So, so just to clarify, yeah, just to clarify, we run a property management company and we take a fee from these properties, a percentage of the revenue. However, that fee to us is not profit. It's just part of our compensation that we then pay out to other aspects that keep the property running. For example, people that help with maintenance, people that do repairs, people that respond to messages, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So if we have on a million dollars in gross rent, if we take a 15% management fee of that 15%, we are maybe netting eight or nine or 10%. Right. Um, so in, that, in this instance, that would be gross property management fee of about 150000 netting down to just under 100000 or so. Um, and then the second form of compensation that we take from these projects is cash flow. Um, I wish I had a better estimate in front of me, but I would say somewhere around 25% of gross rents we're probably clearing on an mm-hmm. annual basis. And that is, you know, that's after um, obviously paying mortgage taxes and insurance, but it's also after paying management fee to ourselves. It's after paying um, repairs, cleaning, uh, replacing furniture, 
any capital expenditures that come up for a given year. Um, landscaping, landscaping, snow removal, tax whatever. prep for every entity, yep. um, all those sorts of things, bookkeeping expenses. So I would say that's like a decent estimate of what our net profit is on, on each project. And um, these are, again, not flowing necessarily to us. They're flowing to us and our investors in whatever capacity. So and, you know, in some cases, we get more or less than, uh, than we do on other projects. Right. And there's also generally a fair amount of, in, of cash that we're floating for any given project. So even if, you know, for, for a given project, we may be, quote unquote, stabilized um, and finally have it listed and rented and be generating income at a nice, nice clip. But we may still be sitting on twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in cash that we have sunk into the project for a combination of construction or the down payment or furniture. Um, so all of those things are variable. I think at the end of the day, no matter how you slice it, um, the rate of return is high, but um, translating that into absolute dollars on properties of, the, of this size is not always as life-changing as you might think. Right. So it, it's, it, it goes to the complexity and kind of um, difficulty of running a real estate company and business because not... I think a lot of times you read online about, oh my gosh, this person or whatever is generating so much money in rent or in revenue or made so much money in a flip because they bought it for 200 grand and sold it for $800,000. But you're not thinking about the expenses, the carrying costs, and also the splits with investors and other partners that are involved in these projects. And of course, in, you know, in our case, we have all those things. Um, and even more so because the operation of short-term rentals is, I would say, much more um, intense, both from a time and financial perspective than it is a long-term rental. So our expenses are relatively quite high. I think, as Ryan said, our, our returns are great and really excited about that. But you know, just to kind of color some of these numbers a little bit, um, you know, I think we've, we've done a little bit of a deep dive into some of our projects in the past. It might be worthwhile to do a deep dive into one of our uh, currently operating properties to look at exactly how money comes through and expenses are spent and, and all that sort of stuff to give more perspective. But um, you know, we're, it, it's great um, on a portfolio level, but it's a lot, you know. It, it's uh, the the revenue numbers only tell one one aspect of the story. Yeah, and I, I think just to speak to that too, we're we're at the point now where obviously there's some scale to this operation, and I think what makes a lot of the, these things more tolerable or increasingly tolerable is that we are simultaneously growing but building the infrastructure to grow with it. So I, I can't I can't imagine you know our first few properties that we had as short term rentals. That we were operating were in North Jersey, and I think at the time we had six. I think at, at the peak, or yeah, what we have now, and at our peak, we maxed out at six listings, and I think that was probably at the limit of what we could manage ourselves without full time personnel to help with maintenance and various construction tasks, and yeah, you know the errands that come with keeping people happy. Um, well, that was my full-time job before we right. started working. I, you know, I had a bunch in, in, uh, in Hudson County. I had, I don't know how many of the total, it was over 20. They're individual rooms, so it's a little bit different than a whole apartment, but, um, but that was more a full-time rooms, job. More rooms, more headache. More rooms, you know, yeah, r- renting, more, renting a four-bedroom house to four different people means you have four different people that you're yeah. listening to complaints to and that you have to keep happy versus one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for. but that's a full-time, that was a full-time job for me for a period of time. Yeah. Right. So I, I think... I think what makes all of this a little bit more tenable, at least to me, is the fact that as we continue to grow, I think we're working on building out 
the infrastructure to be able to handle that additional growth in a way that's sustainable for us, that's sustainable for an actual business, that's sustainable to our operating partners on the ground. Um, And I think that's really important because for a while, you know, uh, I think I've come to the conclusion that in this space, you can only run lean for so long without either burning out or... I don't really know of an alternative growing uh, uh, without burning out or coming to this realization. Imploding. Yeah. <laughs> coming What's to this realization, realization where you have to pivot to, um, you know, paying people, paying for a, quali- a, a higher quality contractor, yeah. paying for a property manager who's going to be able to carry their weight, right. paying for a handyman who's going to be able to do what you need them to do, and paying for cleaners right. who are going to be able to do what you need them to do. So I, I, think, I think we learned that lesson early relatively speaking but it was still several years worth of do, being a lot more involved in certain things than we have yeah i think the funny thing is that we're, we're sort of right now pulling our hair out about a lot of this stuff and we're trying to figure out a way to scale better and et cetera, et cetera. um but relatively it hasn't been that long where we've had this kind of like emergency problem i think a year ago we were we were talking about it but i think it was a little bit more like well when this happens or you know when we're have these projects coming on and now it's like well we do have the projects that have actually happened so now it's like, whereas it, you know, last December was kind of like, we should really think about it and get ahead of it. Now it's like, we have an emergency. So. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this in a recent episode, but our, like our current pipeline is 10, 10 renovation projects that, are, that we own that are more or less active, plus another five five or six depending on how you classify it that we are under contract on um so that's certainly over a dozen considerable renovation projects um totaling probably two and a half million dollars worth of renovations so i mean that's you know that's 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 an operation i mean that's that's an operation on top of an operation that we already have with our existing portfolio i think the, the cool thing for us is that it wasn't like in 2020 or in 2019 we were doing nothing we had a bunch of projects in 2019 and 2020 um ryan was finishing up his or not finishing at the time but was in the midst of his tax lien portfolio up here uh in east orange um which is now almost complete we're, we're selling you're selling the very last one um, I had a bunch of projects in Hudson County that were ongoing. Um, we did some flips throughout Essex County. Um, so we had a lot of stuff going, but you know, the cool thing is like, if you look at a graph, right? If you said like, whatever metric you want to graph, like number of properties, revenue, um, number of construction projects, money spent on construction, you know, whatever you want to say, you know, in 20, in 2019 or in 2020, it was at some number, which I think a lot of people would say like, that's a kind of a good amount. And then in 2021, it's just like, it's a lot more, you know, and in 2022, it's going to be a lot more than that. So I think, you know, um, from one perspective, it's like, oh, it all happened overnight. But I think from my perspective, uh, and I, I, you probably share this too, Ryan, it's like, well, that all that happened in 2021, and that was great, but it took the, you know, six years that we were each doing it, um, sometimes apart and sometimes together to get to that point. You know, it's kind of like all the experiences the connections, the um, you know, good and bad that happened that six years really primed what happened last year or this year. And, and to your point before, it wasn't like we sat down at one point 12 months ago or something like that and said, okay, we're ready to scale. Mm-hmm. What happened, like all of this was gradual. I mean, obviously we had the intention of launching the fund. We had started fundraising for the fund and that I would say gave us a little bit of fuel to 
to start buying a little bit more aggressively. But I think the idea of, you know, hiring a full-time construction manager and really building out a fully fledged vertically integrated op- operation was not something that we really set out to do or that we really uh, say intentionally pursued over the last 12 months but i think yeah. uh, kind of like a a testament to the power of per- perpetual motion that you know if you just keep acting and keep doing and keep making progress you're going to get to that scale and and then those opportunities will or those necessities i should say will present themselves and I think the nature of being an entrepreneur is as those necessities present themselves, you figure out the, the way yeah. to solve them. Yeah, I think the cool thing is that for a long time, we've been talking about like trying to really go all in on an opportunity, you know, because we, we've dabbled in different things, different markets, different types of, I mean, dabbled is, is maybe an understatement. We've, we've spent a lot of time in different markets, different projects, and we finally found something in Atlantic City that we felt passionate about and kind of made sense financially. And all the stars aligned and we said like, let's really go all in on it. And that's where we are now. And it feels... It feels really good. Um, it also feels very stressful because we're sort of at the beginning of it. You know, all of the, like, we have a lot of projects that we have a, a fair number of projects that are now online, but we have many more projects um, that we are about to get online, but we have to do all the work to get there. And now we have investors that are depending on us that are hoping that we're going to do, you know, do what we say that we're going to do, um, which, you know, of course, I feel very strongly we are, but it's just a matter of executing. So it's a different type of stress. I don't it's not know like about, an existential, like, what should I do? It's like, an, I need to execute stress. I would say there's a little bit of a feeling of being overwhelmed by the sheer volume of what we have to do. But I would say I feel infinitely more confident now than I did 12 months ago mm. about the scale of what we have to take on right now. Um, I mean, that like $2 or $3 million worth of renovations, it's very easy to break it down on a per project by per project basis. And if you look at it that way, it's it's basically rinsing and repeating what we've been doing on a few other projects. Right. And I think I disproportionately get overwhelmed by things that are newer. Why don't we finish this episode by talking about the things that we're excited about doing next year? Um, and then, you know, kind of setting it up for what we're going to talk about in 12 months. I think one of the things I'm most excited about, notwithstanding all the different projects that Ryan just talked about, that we're closing or that we're renovating or that we're hoping to start renovating. Uh, I'm excited about doing new construction, which I think is going to happen in some form next year. Um, not sure on which lots it will be um, or when, but I think it will happen, which will be a huge milestone for us. Yeah. I think in 12, in, tel- in 12 months, I hope that we have, I hope that we have some form of approvals. I don't know if it's realistic to think that we'll have already broken ground. But I think for I sure, think, I, I would, think it's possible. Yeah, I think, I think for sure, I'd like to see that we have approvals, like land use approvals, and know what we're going to be building, and then just be at the phase where we're where we're working through exactly how we're going to do that, and getting you know, permits, and getting the subcontractors line up, and you know, maybe right. it's prefab, so we're engaging a prefab developer. But yeah, we we have uh, not part of this discussion. We're also investors in other projects as well, where we're not necessarily running the ship, we're not running the boat. But we have money, for example, in the mini golf project. True. And we had uh, Nick on the show a few uh, episodes ago to talk about that project. But we're investors in that project. We're investors in, in a big project on Block 51 in the Orange Loop, um, which is going to have itself new construction going on. So even if it's not necessarily our you know, project where we're like quarterbacking it, just being involved in some way is very exciting and very cool. So I'm looking forward to that. And in fact, I think that the mini golf project, as of possibly this week, has broken ground. So. Yeah, we, there's finally a. Uh a building permit issued. So I think yeah. they can, 
I think the first step is starting construction on the bridge that's going to connect the yeah. boardwalk to the mini golf. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, you know, I think if we can, if we can do that next year, that'll be a huge win. I think if we can say that we've substantially gone far towards renovating these projects, that'll be a huge win. I mean, we're, we're really, you know, maybe 40% done with one project, <laughs> maybe less than that and something like that. Yeah. Um, we're maybe 10% done with another project and then we're 0% done. I guess you can count demolition. We're a little bit further, but you know, we, we haven't started construction on a, a whole host of other projects and that's about to happen. So right. the next, you know, between today and June, we're going to start construction on probably three or four buildings, construction meaning renovations, three or four buildings, um, and hopefully complete construction on the other two or three that I just talked about. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I think my North Star is increasingly um, rental income, gross rental income. I yeah. think that that's probably the best barometer for progress for us. So I would say if we're at like a million dollar run rate now, million dollar annual run rate now, if we can double that by this time next year, I would consider that a huge win. That'd be awesome. Um, might be a little bit ambitious. Um, and I would say, I would caveat that by saying, that I would say there's almost zero chance that we'll, we will have collected that much in short-term rental income over the next 12 months. But I think if, our, if we take our like trailing three months to end 2022 and extrapolate that, those numbers out 12 months, I would hope that that average monthly number works out to a, a run rate of about $2 million yeah, a year. I think that would awesome. be a huge success. That would be awesome. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed this kind of recap of our 2021. Um, if you guys have any questions or thoughts or comments, um, as we say every episode, we love to hear from you. And I think every episode we hear from at least a few of you about thoughts or you know want to reach out, and that's great. Um, if you want to contact us, the easiest way is by email. Uh, I am John, J-O-H-N at LibertyHudson.com. And I'm Ryan, R-Y-A-N at LibertyHudson.com. If you can follow or like or subscribe uh, to this podcast on however you listen to the podcast, we would really appreciate that. It really helps us out to know who's listening and what you guys like to hear. But until next time, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the Brick by Brick podcast. Thank you. Thanks. You're listening to the Brick by Brick podcast.